Welcome to the How to Love Yourself No Matter What podcast. My name is Amanda Hess, and I am a certified life coach. If you are like me, you know that self-love is important. But did you know that it's the number one thing missing when it comes to creating a life you love? Listen in, friend. I'm going to share all my secrets because you deserve to love yourself starting now. Hello and welcome to episode number two, season two. So it's spring here right now as I'm recording this podcast, but I was lovingly recalling it, calling it Sprinter to a colleague. I was um, doing a presentation with her and (laughs) Sprinter, if you don't know already, is when it's spring, but it's still kind of acting like winter. (laughs) So I live right now in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, and we are in spring And the weather is sort of all over the place. And in fact, I feel quite blessed that I don't still live in my hometown of Calgary, Alberta, although I love the people there. I do not love the weather. It is actually snowing there still. And it is April the 20th, which is pretty normal. In fact, when I lived in Calgary, it snowed there every month of the year at one point or another, which is pretty crazy. That being said, what I do notice about spring is it's not just like all flowers and sunshine and birds tweeting, although that is part of it sometimes. But sometimes it's also blowing snow, you know, cloudy, rain, super windy, and sort of all over the place. Like we could have potentially all four seasons in one day. That's what I like refer to as sprinter. So today, I think it's so valid to talk about how that shows up in our day-to-day lives and how that actually appears for us. So I was thinking about talking about emotional dysregulation, which is a psychological term. And I looked up the meaning just so that I could say it exactly how it's sort of referred to in the psychological realm, which is emotional dysregulation is a term used in the mental health community that refers to emotional responses that are poorly modulated and do not lie within the accepted range of emotive response, which I think is a fascinating fascinating definition that I disagree with a lot. (laughs) So let me tell you why. Okay. Because there is a reason. So having been somebody that has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, this is a big part of the um, diagnosis is this emotional dysregulation. And basically what we're saying to people when we tell them this is that the way that they are reacting to and experiencing their emotions is wrong. And it's not the way that we should be doing it. And that there's something wrong with you if you are reacting this way to your emotions and that your response doesn't equal what's going on. And I have to say, it's one of the most invalidating things I feel like you could say to anyone that how you're experiencing your emotion is wrong. I just can't imagine that ever being a useful thing to say to anyone. Like I even think about my son, okay, like my youngest, and he loves watching hockey. He is a huge Boston Bruins fan. He just loves the Bruins. (laughs) In fact, he just loves Boston, even though we've never actually been there. And he just has decided that he loves every team from there and that he's going to move there. And then he is obsessed with the team. So it's currently um, hockey season. And I think we're getting really close to playoffs, but 
he watches that game. And sometimes when they're losing, he will be really upset. Like he will be sobbing in his room and slamming his hand and doing all of those things. And, you know, I think about like when I used to be like that as a kid, because in all honesty, I have always been this version of myself, just so you all know. I have always been highly emotional. And I think it's really, really interesting that there's two sides of this. On one side, if you've never been diagnosed with a psychological illness, you might just identify yourself as an HSP or as a highly sensitive person or as an empath. But if you've been diagnosed by the psychological community, you're going to get yourself a disorder. But even then, I think what's so interesting with my son is that he is um, having that reaction. And the way that I was parented and the way that I felt an urge to parent him was to say, this is ridiculous. This isn't an okay reaction to this. You need to settle down. You need to calm down. This is not something worth getting this upset over, right? We've all been there. We've either received that or we've given it or both. So really thinking about that, I just think it's really fascinating that we're so uncomfortable with people expressing their emotions, that this is just this very patriarchal, heteronormative thinking that people should be like having a stiff upper lip, that they shouldn't actually be emoting at all. And I just think it's problematic. I think that in the end, what it causes us to do is to clamp down our feelings, push our feelings down, try not to feel our feelings, try not to show to the world that that is what we're feeling. And then it messes us up like it just fucks us later because life doesn't generally get easier from like five years old on. It generally gets harder, right? There are things that are going to happen in your life and some of them are going to rock you to your core and you are going to feel emotion and it is going to overwhelm you and it is going to come out. And I'm just here to say that I just don't think that's abnormal. Now, it may not be how you want to show up and it may not bring the results that you want in your life, but I don't think it's abnormal. And I think it's really important that we take that word normal or accepted out of our vocabulary because it's helping nobody, especially not the person that is having that emotional reaction. So the thing that I really want you to know is that we are human. We are emotional beings. That is how we are designed to work. As human beings, we act from emotion. And how we experience and how we feel emotion is based on a lot of different things. Okay, so first of all, at the very core, our emotions generally come from what we think. So somebody dies, if we didn't know that that person was dead, we wouldn't have a feeling about it. But as soon as we find out that they're dead, we have a thought which creates a feeling, right? We think, oh my God, I can't believe they're dead. I'm so sad. I can't believe they're gone. That makes us feel sad or grief or whatever. So our emotions, they do come from what we think. And I do believe that this is always true. Like our brains are very, very complex things, but what we feel, the emotions we experience as far as which ones we're feeling or experiencing come from what we're thinking. But 
I also believe that how we experience emotions comes from a lot of different places. Like how deeply we feel that emotion is it's it's created by past trauma, hormones, sleep or lack of sleep, life circumstances, many things. So there's the emotion that we feel because of what we think in a moment and then there's the emotional scale. So that's why like on one day, let's say the dishwasher doesn't get unloaded at your house and you experience maybe frustration at a one out of 10 thinking, you know, nobody does the dishes in this house but me, right? And then on another day, you experience the same experience, but instead of experiencing that frustration at a one out of 10, you experience it at a nine out of 10 and then we cue the freak out, right? The thing is, is that everyone, really and truly, everyone experiences a plethora of emotion. When I was diagnosed with BPD, I was told that it was basically like my emotions. I felt all kinds of different emotions, good and bad, all day long, and it fluctuated, you know, and it never was really in the middle, thus being on the borders. That's how it was explained to me when the psychiatrist gave me that diagnosis. But I have coached enough people. And I have seen enough people be coached and I have experienced enough people to know that we all experience hundreds of emotions a day. That's just the truth. We just do. We feel so many different emotions based on however many thoughts we're having throughout a day. It's just that we don't necessarily notice them, clock them, see them. We're not necessarily really experiencing them. But everyone does experience a plethora of an emotion. Those emotions are there. We just don't necessarily play with all of them. So what I think is interesting about talking about emotional dysregulation and saying that it's a problem is what we do is we tell people that their behavior is a problem and then we become the problem. And I think it's fascinating that people with BPD are diagnosed for both being emotionally dysregulated and also for being disassociated from ourselves. Now, let me tell you what can cause dissociation. Believing that our emotions are a problem and believing that we're the only people that have this experience and not knowing how to fix that. And in fact, being told that there isn't a solution, that there's actually no way to fix it. This is just the way our brains work and we're broken. And I just don't believe this for one second, okay? And I don't believe it for one second because that's not been my experience. So I'm gonna share with you what works for me and how this has worked for me. And then you can decide like what you wanna do with that, all right? But I think that the first thing that we need to do when we notice that our reactions are not how we want to be showing up is acknowledging that the feelings are actually not the problem, okay? Because you're supposed to have feelings and you're actually supposed to have 50% positive and 50% negative feelings all the time, no matter what. Life is so 50-50. We are supposed to feel both. So like what I want you to know is you don't have to make your feelings, your emotions, the problem here because you're actually supposed to have them. I know for me, that was such a relief learning that all of my emotions are normal, actually, 
totally normal, totally normal to have emotions, good ones and bad ones. They're both supposed to be there no matter what, no matter how good or bad your life may seem. So the next thing is I like to look at how you are able to show up for any situation is honestly dependent on the relationship that you have with yourself right now. So really want you to consider like if you have experienced trauma, if you're going through a particularly challenging event, if you have wacky hormones or a health crisis or a new baby, or you're not getting enough sleep, this is going to affect how you receive your emotions. Basically, these experiences act like an exponent on the emotion. So while you normally might experience frustration at a one out of 10, if your trauma has been triggered, or if you have hormones pumping thanks to perimenopause or puberty, or even just your regular cycle, or if you haven't been sleeping well, it puts an exponent on the feeling. So instead of experiencing at a one out of 10, it feels like maybe an eight out of 10 or a nine or a 10. And this causes the explosive behavior that's on the other side. This causes trying to manipulate other people. This causes anger and yelling or crying or whatever it is. And we can get to work on trying to fix that. And there are, there are things we can do. But what I have found in treating myself and helping others is that eating, meeting myself where I'm at is the actual key. Because once you start experiencing an emotion at a nine or a 10 out of 10, you've got adrenaline pumping through your body. Like your body is legitimately having a physiological response to the feeling. And so what I found to be the most useful thing is instead of trying to get rid of the feeling or somehow like control the impulse of reacting to the feeling or any of those things, what I have found to be the most useful thing in my life and what I've seen my clients use over and over again with complete and total success is moving into neutral. When we move into neutral, it allows us to reaccess our logical brain. So how do you move into neutral? Well, moving into neutral is really deciding how you're going to show up for yourself here. It's noticing and having the awareness of the emotion and then being able to say, what do I need right now? What do I need? Like if I'm feeling panicked, what do I need? I might need a deep breath. I might need to just take care of myself. I might just need to think nothing has actually gone wrong here. This is just a feeling. This is a lot of the work that I do with my clients. Instead of making ourselves wrong, instead of demonizing ourselves, instead of like telling ourselves that there's something wrong with us and that we need to fix ourselves, instead of that, how do I meet myself where I'm at? And what can I do to take care of me in that moment? Because that is going to give us access to our logical brain. It's going to move our emotion down the emotional dial from a 10 or a nine to maybe a six or a five. And it's going to give us access back to our logical brain, which is what we need in that moment. The last thing that I do when I'm working on myself and I work with clients is I help to create a positive emotion plan 
we create a positive emotion creation plan. And this puts our brain to work on figuring out what we like and what we need and what we want. And not by controlling other people, but giving ourselves the agency to create it ourselves. So what I mean by that is really getting to work in our life of creating experiences and creating moments for ourselves that feed us and feed our soul, that allow us to feel joy and happiness and love, that allow us to create validation for ourselves. When we put all of these things together, what we will find is that our emotional response will change. It will actually be less explosive. It will actually be not as extreme and not because it being extreme is the problem, but because we want to have different results in our own life. And I just really believe that if we say that how we experience emotion is a problem, that we are solving the wrong problem. And it ultimately invalidates the person that's experiencing it and causes them to feel unfixable and unworthy and unlovable and unable to lead a normal and healthy life. And I just don't believe that for one second. So if this is you, what I want you to know is that I have started a Facebook group just for women who have been diagnosed with BPD that want to have a space where they can feel safe, where they can be honest, where they can actually feel like they are getting tools that they can actually use and still actually love and care about themselves. So what I have titled it is Borderline Personality Disorder Redefined for Women Diagnosed with BPD. And the address, the URL is facebook.com slash groups slash slash BPD reimagined. Uh, the other thing I want you to know is if you're just ready to fix this for yourself, if you don't want to tiptoe around and you just want to dive in and you want to fix your life, I can help you with that. And you can actually book a free call with me. So if you go to amandahess.ca slash book a call, you can book a discovery session with me and we can get to work on helping you with these skills in your own life and putting them in place so that you get results you actually want in your life. So if that's something you want to do, I want you to head over and book that call because I can for sure help you. It doesn't have to be the way that it is right now. Okay, my friend, I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can look forward to a new episode of this podcast every week. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a favor and leave a review. When you do, it helps this podcast grow and it allows me to help more women just like you. And if you just know that you need help putting this all together, why don't you book a free consult with me? We can talk about you and what's happening in your life and put a real plan in place to manage the stress and anxiety for good. Just head on over to amandahess.ca slash book a call to set that up.